1: Hello, 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 and welcome to another live episode of the Butterfly Evolution Show. I want to thank you all for tuning in with the Butterfly Evolution Show tonight and with our special guest, Greg. He is going to just enlighten us. He's going to speak life into our financial situations and teach us some things to take forward, to share forward, and just make a difference in our lives, Um this show is about total transformation, so I'm excited to begin another journey of of, of this phase of the financial responsibility or the financial importance of saving, debt free, and, and just anything that's dealing with saving and, and money and, and so forth. So, with this economy and all the things that are continuing to go on, I know every time I go to the grocery store, I'm often reminded of where my money is going because the the containers are getting um just lighter and lighter but the price is going up and up and up so it seems that it that it's very hard to save here lately because the cost of things but um I'm sure that there are ways that we can we can we can determine ways or find ways to to do it a little better so we're going to move right along into this nice show before um, bringing Greg on to, to just kind of get the show going. I want to remind you that the chat line is open for those of you who are listening online with us. Remember, you can submit your, your questions or comments right there if you are a registered follower of the show. If you're not, then you will have to if you want to submit your, your questions and comments there. You can also call in, 818-691-7406. Do select the number one if you have a question or comment. uh, We'll pull you on the air with us. So want to, before moving on, remind you of the trash can, our trash can baby uh, transformation concept. It's all about... Uh, getting into your mind, getting into your head, acknowledging uh, your thoughts. What's going on with you? What, where are your thoughts leading you? And as you know, we say here: you sow a thought, you reap an action. You sow action, you reach habit, and habit becomes character. And your character is taking you somewhere. It is, it is your destiny. So, where are your thoughts taking you? And the trash can, with the trash can concept, what we ask you to do is move your trash can, one that you frequently use, move it to a different location. It can be in the same room, but move it to a different location. And and what you will often find is that you will return to its old location. When you do, just be mindful of, ask yourself, what else? Um, what other things am I just kind of? Have I become accustomed to? What things am I used to doing? Where does my mind take me without much thought process? You will be amazed if you do start this journey of getting into your mind so that you can be more responsible or accountable for your destiny. Because again, your thoughts are taking you somewhere, whether it's the place you want to go or not. Even in in embracing or addressing this topic tonight with saving, you know, we have in our minds a certain way of thinking about our finances, whether it be from childhood, uh, how we were raised, how we saw others um, in our family deal with finances, with money, and, and all these things, but you are... Responsible for your life Your today, your future So if it's not working for you It's okay to change it Greg and I was just talking about the Epsom salt And we'll maybe share a little bit about What we were just talking about And it rem- it reminds me of that Like I often put Epsom salt in my bathwater Basically because I remember My grandparents doing it And some other things Not really knowing that it was kind of like a detox thing And I just recently heard that Someone was sharing it with me and and Greg kind of mentioned some things tonight that he was doing and mentioned the Epsom style. So it's like we become accustomed to just kind of what we know, whether it works or not. Whether sometimes even if we don't know if it works or not, we've just seen it done that way. So we want to refresh, renew, and give you some fresh ideas, um, some things to take from tonight's show. Hopefully, you have something to add. So tonight is basically about how to save. Money, not about what I love Greg saying, it's not what you make It's what you do with what you make And and all that, so Greg Welcome back to the show, I'm excited About tonight's show, I want to learn Myself how to save More and keep doing the things That you have to do and a little bit Of those things that we just want to do So welcome to the show, come on Tell us as much information about You, what you've been doing since you last Came on the show, any new things You have going and then just Roll right into the show. I do have some questions, but I'll kind of slip them in as you break. Sure.
2: Thank you, obviously, for inviting me back. Uh, to be asked to come back, is, it's, uh, it means we're talking about something that people want to hear. So okay. uh, how to save money. Um, what I'm going to do is I'm going to just start with a, a kind of a, um, a sort of a y- yucky introduction to sort of just give you a little bit of a teaser in your brain of what we're really dealing with here when we talk about our money. But we're not going to focus on the negative. We're going to talk about practical stuff. This is an article that I revisited or a teaching or an energy that I chose to re-experience that I experienced a little over a year ago, and it was really dark and it was really nasty and I didn't really want to get into it all the way, but I knew that there was something calling me to visit that energy again and to really understand it at a deeper level. So I'm not going to get yucky here. I'm just going to read this one little piece to you. Um, If if you're asking yourself why is it that money is such a problem – why is it such a struggle? How come prices are going up? How come I can't seem to save? Why is this such an issue? I'm going to tell you emphatically that the United States government filed bankruptcy in 1933. So they can't even get it right. So don't feel bad. okay? Don't be so hard on yourself. You know, we all know things are crazy and what's going on in Congress and the budget and always talk about inflation and all that. Just know that you know, th- this company, this corporation known as the United States government – Filed bankruptcy in 1933. Now, here's where it gets interesting. Its assets were transferred to the Federal Reserve Bank, those assets being all of the land of the United States, all of the national parks, and all of the people that call themselves citizens. So in 1933, the federal United States hypothecated all of the present and future properties, assets, and labor of their quote-unquote subjects which are 14th Amendment US citizens, they basically – whenever you have a bankruptcy, those assets, somebody ends up with those assets. There's a bankruptcy where you can make payments and keep your stuff, and then there's a bankruptcy where you lose everything. Well, in this case, when the US government filed bankruptcy in 1933, it didn't have any money to pay its debt, so it handed over all of the land and all of the people on that land to the Federal Reserve Bank. So the reason why I said that is is if you're frustrated – And you just haven't been able to figure out this money thing. This system was built to keep you a wage slave, all of us, all of us. And we talked a little bit about that, I think, maybe in a a previous teaching. But we're going to do some practical stuff tonight. We're not going to get dark here. I just want you to know that if you're wondering why you just can't seem to get ahead, and there's only a few people up at the top of the food chain that seem to be doing well, it was built that way. It was built for you to struggle your whole life. It was built for you and I and Tammy to be wage slaves. From the time that we're born to the time that we die, that is a fact. That is not um, conspiracy theory. That is an absolute fact. It is government record that the U.S. government filed bankruptcy in 1933, and the Federal Reserve Bank said, "No problem. We will be glad to help you." So that's a very deep teaching. It's a whole different subject. We could we could talk about that for weeks, but we're going to talk about some just some good old practical stuff: how to save money. So. Let's start with something real easy. Let's start with a definition. We all – most of us know what the word save means, but I've got to throw one in there so I feel like I'm laying some groundwork. Save means to keep someone or something safe, to stop someone or something from being damaged or lost, to stop something from ending or failing, to make something that is in danger of failing successful, or to keep something from being lost or wasted. I kind of like the last one. It seems to be the most fitting as far as money goes, you know, if you save your money, you keep it from being lost or wasted. So that's a pretty good definition. So if I were listening and I were you, I'm guessing um, maybe you have some debt. Most of us do, not all of us. I have family members that don't have any. Um, I'm, I'm as close to being debt-free now as I've, I've ever been, but um, you could be asking yourself, if I have debt, Greg, should I save money first or should I start getting out of debt first? And you can, you can actually do it either way. It depends on how much income you have. But I would say, generally speaking, if you've got debt and things are getting kind of tough, you can't seem to put any money in the bank, it's actually better for you to begin to prepay your debt before you try to put money in the bank. Now, there's an exception to the rule. Uh, it's called the little emergency fund, which is you know, generally about $1,000. If you can put that money in the bank or even 500 if if 1000 is a lot, and I remember 1,000 was a lot. Um, if you can put 500 in the bank as an emergency fund, that'll give you kind of that psychological sort of a comfort zone of you know I have this little safety zone in here to take care of an emergency. Then do that, you know, put that 500 in there or that thousand or whatever it is, and then start to prepay your debt. So the general, uh, I think the general advice would be, uh, if we're talking about money and getting out of debt and maybe investing and whatnot, your best first investment is always debt elimination. And you're actually saving money when you do that, because when you prepay your debt, you're paying off the principal balance faster, which means you're going to pay less interest over time. Any questions, Tammy?
1: Um, so you, you were saying if you have the debt, then, then you should pay those things off first. Some people – I know some people get into this cringe about um, – not having anything saved if something breaks down and things like that and I know you talked about wage slaves I want to before you uh before we get out tonight I want you if you can kind of address the emotional side of it because people take their lives because of debt and and so much you know, so many other things. So I want you to, if you don't mind, before we get off, kind of touch on the emotional side of it as well. And I think you kind of were going there when you talked about the government. Don't feel bad because the government can't get it, get it right. That doesn't yeah. mean that we don't want to and should um, right. get it right, even for the, for the sake of having a peace of mind. So kind of talk about the emotional side as we move on. Kind of touch on that as well, if you don't mind.
2: It, it covers uh, this whole thing of money. You, you can't keep it in a box. You can't put it over to the side. You includes me, by the way. When I say you, I mean me. When I say me, I mean we. I'm in this too. I'm still paying. Okay. I still save. Every, every payday, I save a portion of my check. And if there's anything left in checking, I dump it into savings. But this whole thing, it's tied into your emotions. It's tied into your spirit. It's tied into your, um, your sense of, of Wellness, your sense of worth, I mean, that's how embedded this is in our minds, in society, is is we are are born and bred and raised to believe that the amount of stuff we can accumulate determines how much we're worth as human beings, and this is an absolute recipe for people that are spiritually blinded, that are spiritually misled, that live unfulfilled lives, and that just – they just plod through life working, 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 and they just never seem to be able to fill that void, so – I said all that to say this. Until you face this monkey and get it off of your back, if it is a monkey for you, it's not going to go away. You have to face this. In, in, uh, in certain religious circles, they say that the definition of the word repent simply means to stop what you're doing and, turn, and, and, and of course, make amends to, to whoever, the people or God or whoever, and turn around and head in the opposite direction. That's really what we need to do. We can't run from this. Um, Right now, uh, the the government is is running from it. They're hiding. They're sticking their head in the sand. They're hoping it'll go away, and it's not going to go away. So I look at that situation, and quite naturally, I say to myself, "Okay, people that are supposedly in charge, if you're not going to take care of the mess, then I will." And that's the whole reason why Debt Shepherd exists is because I got tired of complaining about how messed up things were, and I said, "I'm not empowering anybody by telling them how bad it is, and they're not telling them how they can fix it." So. If it's an issue with you, um, you know I have a friend that told me, she said, Greg, I hate paying my bills. I dread the end of the month because I get this fear and this yuckiness in my stomach of there isn't going to be enough. And that's the biggest reason why I wanted to clean up my mess back in '06 when we got started because we weren't in bankruptcy. We, no one was calling us and telling us you're not paying us, but we were making $80,000 a year between the two of us, and we were bankers. And we couldn't seem to put $500 in the bank. Now, if you're making $80,000 a year and you don't have at least $500 in the bank, you're doing something wrong. You're doing something wrong with all that money flowing through your life, but the problem is, is we had debt payments, and most of it was going to debt payments, house cars, and credit cards. So to answer your question, this is, this is really why we want to change this area of our life because we want to feel better, don't we? Right.
1: Mm-hmm. I have a question mm-hmm. for you. You mentioned that um, if, you said if there's anything left in your check and you throw it into savings. Do you yeah. now live um, and have you always lived on based on a budget? Like do you have a set budget where you, you know, have this for that, even your kind of play money? Um, do you have a set budget now and have you always had one?
2: I don't particularly have a budget, although I've sat down and actually done one to find out what was going on, what's coming in, what's going out, what do we need to attack first as far as debt elimination. But the way we basically do it now is is I get paid uh, every two weeks, and my wife gets paid the same. We know we have taken the bills and divided them to where just the way they fall, and she gets paid on different days than I do, and we've done that, and we stick to that. She pays a set amount of bills. I pay a set amount of bills. And then when I get paid, let's say paydays on Friday. It's always on Friday. Uh, this last payday, I'll be transparent with you. I have $333 left in checking. I took that on top of 10% of my net and I transferred it over into savings. Now, there was a time when I couldn't do that because all my money, most of my money was going out to credit card payments. Well, we don't have any more credit cards, so Visa and MasterCard don't get my money anymore. And I'm not saying that I haven't used credit cards, some, since we changed you know, there, there's there's a use for things. There there's a convenience that can be had, but I'm talking about seventeen thousand dollars worth of plastic debt, and we are making eighty a year, and it couldn't save five hundred. That's a problem. So yeah, every payday, whatever's left, if there's you know one hundred and fifty, depends on you know there might be two hundred, there might be fifty, sometimes there might be none left depending on maybe the way a bill hits or maybe something we bought for the house or whatever. I dump that plus 10% of my net income over into savings, and I can do that online with my online banking. So really, um, you opened up the door to we need to create a saving habit, and I know what you're saying. You're saying, Greg, I can't save any money, or Greg, you are making $80,000 a year. I'm only making ten. Well, guess what? No matter how much money you make, you can save a portion of your income. So that leads us into the mechanics here. Okay, how do we do this? How do we – and, and by the way, Tammy, are we at, at an hour? We're going to do an hour tonight?
1: Yes, that'd be fine. I'm, I am always set okay. for two, but you, we, we can go an hour. Yep, I just so always set for two.
2: That's fine. We'll go, and we'll see how it works. Okay, so if, if we want to save money, we may say, well, Greg, i got this big pile of debt over here. You know, I can't save. All the money coming in is going out. I get that. I'm going to give you a couple of different scenarios of how you can fix that problem. So here's the deal. Let's assume you have debt, and you're trying to save some money, and maybe you haven't been able to do that. I'm just going to assume tonight for the purpose of this discussion you have debt, and you're trying to get some money to just get that little comfort zone, that little bit of money in the bank. You have to first determine how much that little bit is. right? Well, how much should I save? And I've had people call in and say, Greg, how much should I save? I can't answer that question. You have to ask yourself what amount of money in the bank would just make me feel okay not like, oh, I don't ever have to work again. That's not realistic, but just an, enough in there to where something came up, maybe the car needed a little repair, the brakes, whatever, that you could, you could take care of that without using a credit card. Um, you'll love this. Way back when we first got started, I asked my wife. I said, you know when we pay these credit cards off, how much money do we need to have in the bank to where you feel totally comfortable that we can get rid of the plastic? She said $10,000. That's a lot of money even today, Tammy. That's a lot of money for me, for both of us. Uh, but for whatever reason, that was her comfort level. Your comfort level may be $1,000. It may be 250 But I just want you to know that it doesn't matter what the dollar amount is. The only thing that matters is that you get that comfort level. It makes you feel a little more comfortable to know that you can handle an emergency or a situation without using your plastic. So what do you do? Here's one way to save money. You learn to spend less of your income at your current income level, right? So Tammy, let's say I'm making $25,000 a year, and I have my, my bills, you know, whatever they are, rent, mortgage, car, childcare, whatever it is, and I want to save some money. But I don't have literally the time or the energy to, to take on another job to work extra hours. Maybe I have kids. I'm stretched. I mean I'm working. I'm doing the deal. I'm not slacking, right? I need to figure out a way to spend less of my money at my current income level. How do you do that? That opens up a whole door. Um, You've got to look around and find out what it is that you can live without. And the biggest area that I would recommend if you're looking to free up some money that's going out is entertainment, Um, alcohol, cigarettes, clothing. I mean you can – the list goes on. I'm not one of these guys that says if you drink a Starbucks, you're damned. No. You need some little bit of entertainment, some something that you do, but just look at where you're spending it and ask yourself, could I do a little less of this, or could I maybe replace something that's costing me money for entertainment with something that doesn't cost me money for entertainment? There's lots of free entertainment out there, right? Right. You just got to know where to find it. So if you're not going to increase your income, you just need to figure out a way to spend less because really, here's the deal. When we talk about saving money, unfortunately, if we save our money, over time it loses value because of inflation. We get punished by the banks. when we just stick our money in the bank and let it sit there because they don't pay us enough money for us to really make any profit. You don't really get a whole lot on a savings account. Maybe a CD is two, one and three-quarter percent, I don't know. But all I can tell you is this. Saving money and not getting paid a whole lot of money by the bank to have it in there, it beats being in debt, doesn't it? Does that sound like a fair assessment? I mean if I was weighing the scales here, do I save money or do I make my payments go to my creditors? I I would rather work on both at the same time or work on the debt first and then save the money and eventually not have to make payments to my creditors. So at least I have the option of what I want to do with that money. Because when you get done paying your stuff off, you're still going to have money, right? You know, you're still right. probably still going to be working, or you're still going to have a fixed income, maybe social security, maybe child support, maybe alimony. I don't know whatever the case is. Um, but the money's coming in, the money's going out. So figure out a way to spend less at your current income. That's one way you can do it. Another way you can do it is you can increase your income level without increasing your standard of living. Now, what does that mean? It means you want to save money, but you haven't been able to do it before, and you're in a position to maybe work more hours, maybe work some overtime, maybe pick up a second job, if that makes sense for you. Maybe child care is not an issue. Maybe you're single and you don't have any kids, whatever. Or you can have kids. It doesn't matter. But you have the ability to increase your income Maybe there's a promotion coming. Whatever the case may be, but here's the key: if you increase your standard of living when your income goes up, you're going to be right back where you were before the increase came. Does that make sense, Tammy?
1: It does. I do have a question for you. While you're there, though, I think we might have talked about this previously on a on a prior show. You know, mm-hmm. many people um, think about taking on a second job. However, there is a great deal of concern about what that will do for their tax bracket, for instance you know if i make a if I take on a second job and I may make five thousand more dollars you know in addition to what I would normally make, but now I have to pay back you know a couple of thousand more in taxes. How can one what's the best way to to kind of figure out where you don't find you don't find yourself saying i work all these, these additional hours and half of the money I'm paying back to Uncle Sam. How can one adjust their tax taxes so that that does not happen?
2: Well, there's, there's two ways you can do it. Number one, you can work for cash. Greg, right? are you telling <laughs> me to break the law? No, I'm not telling you to break the law. There's plenty of people work for cash. I, I don't mean your full-time job, you know, like you're going to be feeding your family 40 hours a week working for cash. But if, if income taxes are an issue, just figure out a way to work for cash. Or you can barter things, you know. You provide a service to somebody and they give you, you know, money or they trade a service for you. That, that's one way. But if you do increase your income, you do need to look at that. And I'm not a bookkeeper, a CPA, or a lawyer, but generally speaking, if you breach the six-figure income mark, which would be 100000 or more, that tends to be when your tax bracket goes up. Uh, but again, that's not CPA advice. That's not tax filing advice. You just need to, you need to figure out. If, if I kick in an extra five, how much of it am I going to get to keep in my pocket? Now, in the beginning, let's say you do the extra 5,000, Tammy, but in the beginning, you just need to get some money in the bank, or to get that comfort zone, or you just need to get some debt off your back. You know I can remember a time when I would gladly give half of it to the government to change the situation that I was in, because it's only going to be for a season, you know? You're not necessarily going to be doing that forever. You're not going to be paying debt off forever. It doesn't take forever to put a little bit of money into the bank where you get that comfort zone that we're talking about. Does that make sense?
1: Makes sense. Okay.
2: Yeah, I mean, and, and Tammy, you brought up a good point. You have to look at everything. Uh, if I'm going to start working Saturdays from 7A to 6P, but I got babies at home and I'm putting strain on my spouse, you, you need to look at everything. Gas that's going to take me to get there. Am I going to have to pay for uniforms? Are there, are there cell phone expenses or whatever? You've got to look at all of it, and you've got to do the math. And if you look at the math and you say, okay, after these expenses and taxes, what's left? Is it worth the effort? Is it worth the time? Because I've looked at picking up a second job even today on a Saturday. I do that occasionally, and then I say to myself, you know what? I like having Saturday and Sunday off to spend time with my family, and my family consists of my wife and our dog, Gabby. My stepson comes, comes by occasionally and visits us. He has a girlfriend. You know, Sometimes they both come over. They may stay for a couple of hours, but by and large, that's my extended family is my wife and our dog. And that's typically what I do is I just hang out. We go do stuff, you know, but we don't do a lot of entertainment type of stuff. That's just by choice. Um, but I've had days where I'm like, heck, no, I don't want to get up and go work to 8, 10 hours on a Saturday. I'm going to chill out in my pajamas as long as I want to. So weigh it all. Weigh, weigh all your options. You've got to look at everything. But if, if you're just talking about an emergency situation where you need to get a creditor off your back, and you've got this $600 collection hanging over you, and they're hounding you, you do whatever it takes to get out there and make you within the bounds of morality and the law. Get out there and get an extra job to pay that stupid thing off and get these people off your back. I mean, you know, you got to get resourceful.
1: Okay. Okay, Greg, so let's just- take a call. We do have a caller. Let's see um, what our caller has. And I did not – Mention you guys, the way that I will pull you in, because I'm, I don't know this number, but the way that I will pull you in is provide the area code that you're calling from and the last four digits of the number that you're calling from. So we're going to take your question and comments at any time, so you do have to press the number 1 to come into queue. I am now pulling in a caller from 901 area code with the last four digits of 0546. Caller, you're on the air with us?
2: Yes. Yes, my name is Jim, and uh, I was just wondering uh, about, you
0: know, I cannot start a bank account because I will back child support. So if I start a bank account, then child support is going to take my money. So how can I save money when I cannot put nothing in the bank to save money? So what can I do?
2: Um, well, first of all, the fact that you have the desire to save the money is a good thing. Um, And a bank is only one option. It's just the institutional option that we've been taught from the time we're born to the time we die. You don't need a bank to save money. Uh, If you have a desire to save money, whatever that amount is for you, um, you don't necessarily need a bank. I mean if you just want to rat hole some money, you can do that at your house. I mean you can stash it somewhere. Um, Maybe you have a friend that has a bank account, someone you really trust that will keep it for you. Or maybe you know someone who has a safe that you really trust. Tell them to put it in their safe for you. My brother has a safe. He he he, he doesn't trust banks. He hates them. He, he's he's just kind of a country boy. You know what I mean? Yes. Did that did that I mean, help uh, you? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, cause that's that's like one thing that that I'm I'm thinking about doing now. And just I got a, I bought a safe, so think about it, just start putting money in there and just start saving money that way. Yeah, and you know the most important thing is this, and I'm only speaking from my experience. I'm, I'm not an expert in any of this, is you've made the decision, I want to save some money, and I'm going to do it whatever it takes. So just the fact that you're creating that habit, and, and I know where you're coming from sort of in that sense of not being able to get a bank account. When I first moved to Tennessee, I had this little medical collection that I, that I created when I was in my 20s when I was a bonehead and I was doing stupid things like wrecking cars and things, and I had been paying on it. Very – I mean every week I'd been paying on it, but it wasn't totally paid yet. So when I moved up here to Tennessee when I met my wife, we went into the bank, and she was able to get the bank account because she didn't have any collections obviously. But they said I couldn't even be on there as as a secondary signer because of this medical collection, and she said pay the collection off and then come back. I did that. I paid the collection off. I got my paid receipt. I called the credit bureaus. I got it taken care of. I waited whatever it was, 30 or 60 days. And then I was able to get a bank account. Um, but I, I get where you're coming from, you know, but if you want to save money, you can save money. Just you just have to sort of sometimes look outside the box. Um, I know a lot of people who don't trust banks, and I'm not saying banks are bad, but you can definitely save money, no doubt about it. All right. Yeah,
1: that's my question. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, Paula. All right. If you don't mind, caller, will you select the number one? It pulls you out of queue. And uh, let, let us know that we've taken care of your call. So, all right, um, great question. Okay, Greg, back over to you.
2: Yeah, absolutely. It, um, a lot of things are connected in the money system, we all know. Uh, any kind of a business license that you have, even if you're a barber, if you have back child support, they will not read in your license. I mean, it's all connected. Everything is connected. So, you know, he, he, the guy that called in, he's working on putting some money in the bank. He wants to get something going. That's a good place to start. Just look outside the box a little bit and say, it's okay if I can't put it into the bank. I'm going to look at another way that I can do it. But again, the behavior change is the most important thing. So uh, we talked about increasing our income but not increasing our standard of living because we're very tempted in the society that we live in that as soon as we increase the amount of money that's coming in, and I've been there where I'm like, okay, I just got a raise. I remember remember my first big raise, Tammy, when I was in banking. I was probably making – I don't know, 23,000, my first banking job. Well, probably my second or third banking job. And I was okay with 23. 23 was cool. My first big raise probably shot me up to about 30. That was a huge raise for me, huge raise, big raise. And normally you're like, hey, we're renting a one bedroom apartment here. We now have the ability to do something way better than that. And we did. We, we moved into a two-bedroom, but the increase was only like $100 a month, I think, in, in rent payment. It wasn't that much, uh, so we were able to absorb that. But the temptation is as soon as that extra income comes in, you know, we're going to buy a bigger house, we're going to buy a bigger car, and we're going to go buy more stuff. Now, I'm not saying – if you're living in a one-bedroom apartment, and it's mama and daddy and a couple of kids – Don't be looking at expanding your living space. I get that. I mean, there just comes a time when you outgrow where you're living. But if you are fairly happy with where you're at as far as living space goes and you do come into an increase in income, ask yourself, do we really need a bigger house? Because you're going to pay more taxes. You're going to pay more money to heat it and cool it, um, and there's going to be more maintenance on it just because there's more house. So just take a look at it. You know? As soon as the increase comes in, look at what you're doing. If the increase comes in and it's a pay raise, even if it's $25 a week or even you know, 25 a month, that doesn't seem like a lot of money. But believe me, you can do some pretty cool things with that amount of money. Look at what you're doing. Am I saving? If the answer is no, put that increase in the bank or at least a portion of it. If you get an increase in income and look at, look at what you're doing, do you have some debt that you'd like to get rid of? Start prepaying that debt if you have the ability to do that. But tonight, of course, we're focusing on saving. So it takes discipline to save an increase in income. It takes discipline to save that raise, to save maybe uh, the factory that you work in says, all right, from here forward, um, automatic 10 hours of overtime every week until further notice. I know people who who have been doing overtime for years, mandatory overtime for years. Um, Save that money if you have the ability to do that because here's the deal. Everybody is in a business. You don't have to own a business to be in business. If you're a W-2 employee like most people in the United States, you own a business. And you know what the name of that business is? The name of that business is your business. Why are you all up in my business? That's your business. The bills you pay, the money you earn, the food you put on the table, the warmth and the cool that you put into the house to keep your family comfortable, that is your business. And everyone that you send money to every month is a business partner of yours, the mortgage company, the landlord, the cell phone people. Everyone that you pay money to is one of your business partners, and the best way that I know to save money is you've got to get rid of some of your business partners… Pick on the small ones first. The credit cards are usually the easiest to get rid of. The little collection that you've been paying on, try to put some extra money on that and make it go away and free that money up and either stick it in the bank or pay that off. Uh, Third thing we could do. This is an option. How do I save money, Greg? I've got debt. What do I do? Third thing you could do. You could stay at your current level of income, meaning no overtime, no extra job no double job, no triple shift, none of that, and simply decrease your standard of living. Now, what do you mean, mean, Brett, decrease your standard of living? That's different for everybody. Decreasing your standard of living is different for everybody. It depends on what it is that you're willing to give up. What would be an example of decreasing your standard of living? Let me see. You look out in the driveway, and you have a car that runs well, that gets you to work reasonably safe, you know, Almost without fail, you're you're happy with the car. It's good. And maybe your spouse or partner has a car, or maybe you share this car, and everybody's good, we all get to work. It's all good. Everything's happening. But you've got that other car sitting out there. Maybe it's in the garage, and it's the toy that you bought that you were going to restore, that you were going to soup up, that you were going to tear the motor out of, that you were going to sand down and paint and resell on Craigslist, and it's been sitting there for five years. And it's just sitting there. That's an asset. You can sell that thing, and you can free up some money and stick it in the bank. Uh, if that car is running and you just like it because it's nice, because it's got those little – I don't know what they call those spinning rims. I don't know what they call those things. I see those sometimes. You know, you could sell that car, and that's considered decreasing your standard of living. Yeah. Is there something that you really can live without, maybe a boat, maybe a four-wheeler, something that is really more of a toy than a necessity? You could sell it, and you could stick the money in the bank. You could sell it, and you could pay off debt. Um, here's one, another way of decreasing your standard of living. I've done this more than once. Downsize the house that you're living in. And it depends, you know, do you have kids? What kind of a neighborhood are we going to move to? You know, what's what's your situation? This is different for everyone. I've downsized in, from from house size and mortgage size once, at least three times in my life, where I intentionally sold the home I was living in to decrease my mortgage payment, and moved into something either slightly smaller, or you know pretty close to what we were living in, but the the house payment always went down. The first time we downsized, we sold the home that we were living in, and we cut our mortgage payment in half. I almost lost my wife over that one, Tammy. She damn near left me. She was not happy. And that was not a smart thing for me to do at the time, but at that time I felt that that was the right thing for us to do to be able to survive financially. I truly and honestly felt that that was the right thing for us to do. Now I look back now, and we could have stayed there and been fine. But at the time, I felt that that was the decision that we needed to make. So um, you don't take that stuff lightly. If you're talking about selling your house and downsizing to something smaller, you need to think long and hard about that. That's, That's not something you just do overnight. That's something you've got to really pray about, really soak in, really talk to your spouse about. I made the mistake of basically saying, this is what I've decided we're going to do, and you don't have any say in it, and that was the worst thing I could have done as a husband, absolutely the worst thing. Do not recommend that to anybody. So that was a hard lesson for me. Um, can you think of anything, Tammy, maybe in your life or somebody that you know that decided to decrease their standard of living so they could free up some money?
0: Nope. Nope. That just
1: has, I, I don't know anyone that uh, did that or thought about doing that uh, because, you know, that's just that kind of plays into the more stuff and the society, you know, kind of what society tells us is uh, what validates us and so much so because I think many people get those things, the big things, the many things, in order to feed the mind um, to say I'm important or, you know, what I'm doing is important in some way. So I don't. I, I do feel that many people um, – should do that. I mean, I I know when I purchased my house and and it's just a 3 bedroom, 2 bath house, you know, a great size for my son and I and um but I had people that thought that I should have bought a larger house and I thought what for? My son will be gone in a few years and I bought what I can afford, but it's the mindset. So, um I don't know anyone. I probably know a lot of people that should have and even yeah. now to do it but again it goes back to how the money um what looks like to to others. Um Yeah. So I have a question that has come in, um how let's see, how should one approach creditors if they are unable to save um, because of paying creditors i think is what they're saying so how should how could one approach creditors if they are unable to save and want to save okay i guess this they're is saying would do. can they pay less i guess is what the question is can they pay can they uh, i guess they're asking can they approach the creditors and pay less in order to save
2: yeah yeah you this is what i would do and and i realized a number of months back that i'd never really formulated an answer to this question in the past, if I had a creditor or – and when I say – when you say creditor, the person typing the question, I'm assuming we're talking about like a collection you know, or, or maybe a credit card that's past due or whatever. Uh, this is what I would do. I would sit down with pen and paper, and I would write down everything, all the money coming in, all the money going out, every single bill that you could possibly think of, every single dollar that's going out, all of it including entertainment, everything, everything that you know that you're spending your money on until you feel comfortable that you've mapped basically pretty much every dollar that's going out. Okay? And then you, I would take the smallest balance creditor that I'm trying to get rid of. If there's three or four or five of them, don't go to the one with the $10,000 balance because that's the one that's giving you the most fear and, and, and anxiety. That's the natural thing to do. You need to go to the small one. We need a quick victory here. Okay? And you go to that creditor and you call them diplomatically, respectfully, honestly, and openly. You don't give them a big sob story because they've heard everything in the book. Trust me. Trust me they've heard it all. And you simply say, this is who I am. This is the bill that I owe you. This is the balance, you know, whatever the balance is. I, I want to change. I want to pay you. But I'd like to negotiate this balance because I need some breathing room. Now, you may not get a good response, and you may get a good response. There's a good chance. That if you're honest and open, you're going to get somebody with some sanity, and they're going to say, let's work something out. And then if they decide, let's say the balance was 500 and they say, all right, we'll, you know, we'll settle for 400 or 250 or whatever. Get them to send you something in writing to the balance that they've agreed to. You can't just take a verbal over the phone. Once they send that to you and you have something in your hand that says this is your balance, you tell them, how much money you're going to be sending them every month. You come up with an amount that works for your budget before you call them. Because if you say, well, how much do you want me to send you? They don't really care how much pain you're feeling or how much discomfort you're feeling. You have to come up with an amount that you're able to send them every month out of your budget to get this thing off your back as soon as possible. So yeah, if you can negotiate a less balance, that's a good thing. That means you're going to pay it off quicker, and when you do pay it off, That money that you were sending to them, you've now freed it up to do one of two things. Well, actually three. One, you can save it. Two, you can go to the next debt and pay it off. Or three, you can blow it. You always have those three options. Save it, apply it to other debts, or simply blow it. Or a fourth thing, you could increase your standard of living and go buy more car, more house, more toys, more clothes, whatever… Does that does
0: that make sense? It it
1: does. Um I know with with what you're saying there, what I have started to do for for me when I pay something off, what I'll do is take half of whatever that amount was going out monthly and put that into savings and the other half goes towards something else, paying something else because it kind of yep, yep. I was already accustomed to paying that anyway. Um yep. and so that that has worked for me and trying to find ways just to save more, that has, has worked for me. Now, I need to do better not going to spend it on some of those luxury things that you're talking about, like the clothing and all that, but that has worked. Yeah. So that's another um, way to look at it, you know, take half, because I do feel that people should have something saved, and I think mentally when you don't, it it, it just it gets you into this, Rat race where you're just day after day after day just working, coming home, eating, doing a little something here, and starting that process all over again, and that yeah. is killing us. We're becoming sick, we stress, everything that is killing us. Like you said, wage slaves. So yeah,
2: and let me let me uh, let me drop a bomb here. This came into my mind here the, in this last week when I was getting ready for what you know what are we going to talk about? What are we gonna, what am I going to share? This one may make you feel a little uncomfortable, but I think it's definitely worth exploring. When we hear the word save in terms of money, if we pay attention and we also become mindful of the word saved in religious circles, right? So my question is, are these two words related in some way? I don't know the answer to that question, but I will ask you this. Is the comfort of being saved spiritually giving you an excuse for laziness in your finances, in other words, I have this mess. I either choose not to take care of it, or I don't know how to take care of it. Therefore, I'm just going to turn it over to the man upstairs. Now, I am not deconstructing your faith, but what I am saying is is it's real easy to just stay in that little zone of it's all good. It's all good. All things work you know, to, to the betterment, or all, all things work for the, for the glory of God. You can stay stuck in that and not take action in your practical everyday finances and get this stuff cleaned up. I mean, do you, how many stories have you heard of people just giving their money to the church and their finances are total shambles, and they're just suffering because they think they're supposed to be giving this money to this organization? I'm not trying to drag that out of the closet or turn it into a tithing conversation. All I'm saying is, is if you have a pile of debt, no one – Including God is going to wave a magic wand over you and make this mess go away. You have to face it. It's actually part of the reason why you have the pile of debt, because it's something that you're here to learn. And I'm not saying God made you have debt. All I'm saying is is there's something you haven't figured out yet. There's a behavior you have not yet corrected, me included. I've been through this. And until you correct the behavior and face what it is that got you into that mess in the first place… It's not going to go away. And that open up any doors in your mind of where this conversation could possibly go, Tammy.
1: Yes, and that, that's why I was trying to go a little bit earlier, because it does come back to a mindset and something that is rooted. Um, th- there is financial uh, debt or debt alone, I feel like it's, it's bondage. It's really a form of slavery. Um but- Mentally, emotionally, everything. And, again, we have to find out why is it. I think on the last call or the last time we had you on, we had a caller that called in and expressed that when they're feeling down, when they're feeling, um, you know, just not worthy, that even if they just go buy a pack of cheese, it was something, you know, to the point where she was saying that she could have in her refrigerator what she went to buy, just the fact that she goes out and purchases it makes yeah. her feel better. And so yeah. th- that's, that's why I wanted to get there because of, of the show being about the transformation. There is something deep-rooted. There's a, there is something that the money is able to feed us temporarily, of course, because we find ourselves getting right back into that situation. I've heard stories where people have uh, been blessed uh, to 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 get out of debt, someone has helped them get out, only to turn around and get back into even more debt than they were, and and yeah. they have said because they did not deal with the root of the issues uh, that, they really? were, that that got them there.
2: Yeah, but here's the thing: when you when we talk about money, there are words that are used like current and currency, and those are all those are all words that have to do with electricity. Those are all words that have to do with what really makes the universe what it is. And we're going into the spiritual part here. We can't, we can't talk about saving money and getting out of debt without going to the spiritual part of it. Whatever your religion is, I don't care. Guard that. Nurture it. Love it. Do it. Be it. I'm not telling you not to do that, but there's something that we're all connected with and by. We could say that it's love, but in the 3D world, it's, it's electricity. It's energy. That's what makes the planet do what it does. That's what makes it spin Yes, God is controlling all of it ultimately, but there are certain laws of the universe that exist, such as the law of gravity, the law of thermodynamics, all these things that we observe and we know happen consistently without fail. So what I'm saying to you is is if you learn to save money and you do it consistently and without fail, things will start to shift for you. But ultimately, at a deep spiritual level, the reason why we're so screwed up in this area is because these banks have come along and said, we have to figure out a way to harness these people's energy. We have to figure out a way to drain these people of their energy, their spiritual energy, their physical energy, and their mental energy. How can we do that? Well, what we're going to do is is we're going to lend them money that we create out of nothing, and we're going to charge them rent for it. And then we're going to wave things in front of their faces that make them want more and we're going to tell them two different things in the media and in movies and in TV and in print. We're going to tell them, number one, you're worthless, you're no good, and you'll never amount to a hill of beans. But then on the other hand, we're going to tell them, we will sell you the elixir to what ails you. And that's where we get on the treadmill. Ultimately, these people that run this system know one thing and one thing they will never, ever, ever tell you. There's only one currency. It cannot be lent It cannot be borrowed. It cannot be destroyed. That currency is your knowledge of who you truly are, and the system does not want you to know this. The system doesn't want you to know who you really are and how powerful you are because once you come into that awareness and you practice that awareness because knowledge is not enough, you come into the awareness – and you begin to practice the awareness, meaning you change what you're doing in your life. When you do that, you won't stand for paying 20% interest to a credit card company. You won't stand for someone calling you and saying, send me the money or I'm going to sick the police on you or whatever it is that they threaten you with. You, you, there won't be a place for that in your life anymore when you come to the awareness of who you truly are, because you look inside of you and you say, I'm not going to put up with this. But there's a season where we have to clean up some mess, get out of that situation, and move forward.
1: It's, and, Greg, it's you're, an so, amb- you're so right in that. As you were talking, I wrote down that just the power in having money saved. It, it, it allows you to feel free, like you are in control, um, meaning, for instance, there are many people that stay on jobs that are emotionally and physically draining the life out of them, but they have to. They feel that they have to. And once you get into the habit of saving, um, I was sharing with a friend the other day, uh, actually about, about my son, just being like the more he tends to save, he just gets more stingy in a sense, and in a good way. I mean, like taking his lunch and being mindful of what he spends for lunch, um, you know, wanting me to cook so he can take lunch or things like that. It's like you almost get addicted to having the money there. So you you can, in in, in the process of reversing it, it does do something mentally. Now, if you could just kind of hang on to that and create those new habits, It is worth it. Um, It is a process, but it is worth it, and it's contagious. It becomes contagious if you stick to it. You will want to to save more yeah, because of the power that it creates, that you are in control, um, and you no longer have to take this or take that or put up with this, and and that if something happens, you can address it quickly.
2: And you know why it's so powerful, and you know why it becomes so addicting? And if you have a pencil, I think you certainly need to write down this kernel of wisdom I'm about to drop on you. This is like a hand grenade in the foxhole of the mind. The reason why it's so powerful and so addicting and so awesome when you start to save money, it's because of this. Money equals food. Okay? Money equals food. There's a lot you can do without, but um, if you're not putting food in your mouth, nothing's going to happen. Live about three days, and then you'll die. So ultimately, when we go to the grocery store and we buy the food, you talked about filling up your cart, and you can't put as much in as you used to be able to, and the bags are getting lighter, but the bill is getting bigger. When we go to the grocery store, we're hunting. Back in the day, we had to actually chase it and, and pluck it and, and skin it and cook it. Well, we don't have to do that anymore because of modern society. Technology is a pretty cool thing. You know. There's not as much labor involved in the gathering of food. But when you go to the grocery store or to the restaurant and you pay with your Debit card or your credit card, which I hope you're not doing, or you pay cash, which I hope you're doing. You're hunting, those are your tools. And when you've got some extra tools laying around that are at your disposal that you don't necessarily have to use unless you want to use them, that's powerful. Because in the back of your subconscious mind, you know that when there's money in the bank, you can eat. No wonder this is so psychologically powerful. No wonder they drive us crazy and in circles chasing our tails when it comes to this thing. Because they know that you subconsciously know that money equals food, but what they do instead is is they replace the money equals food with money equals sex, money equals power, money equals greed, money equals I'm better than you, money equals better credit score than my neighbor, money equals whatever. Fill in the blank. It doesn't really matter. Now, unless you're a person who grows all of your own food, creates all of your own electricity gross cotton and fiber to make all of your clothing, okay? You need some form of currency to get what you need in this world. So I think most of us are, you know, pretty much um, can, can fall into this whole thing of, of going nuts over this. But yeah, saving money is very empowering. Um, you know, right now, I wouldn't say I have more money in the bank than I've ever had, but I'd say that it's pretty close. I mean, I've had a few tiny little spikes along the way with you know, money back from the government and and maybe a windfall from some other things. But by and large, we tend to keep a fairly steady amount in our savings account. So, for example, when we moved into the home that we're in now, it's a seven-year-old home, um, my total payment, taxes, insurance, and everything is less than $600. I intentionally purchased at that price level in a neighborhood that I was comfortable with, bought a very nice seven-year-old home. Um, But – the thing is, is – and I completely lost my train of thought of where I was going with that. Oh, uh, when we moved in, there were certain things that we knew we wanted to do. For example, we painted the entire inside of the house. We paid cash. We recarpeted the entire inside of the house. We paid cash. We put now a new linoleum in the kitchen and the laundry room, and we paid cash. Now, we have some appliances that we needed to replace. Um, and we were just a few months away from tax time, where we were getting money back. My wife gets an annual bonus. We did charge that on one of those Best Buy cards, you know, six months savings cash. But we knew the money was coming in in about two months, and we just didn't want to drain our savings account. So we bought those on credit, and then as soon as that money hit the bank, bam! Within 20 minutes, we paid off all all of the appliances that we had bought, and now we don't have any credit cards left. Um, so you know, there's a place for using things for a certain level of, of convenience, but when they become your go-to, you know, when the car needs brakes, when the car needs a transmission, when uh, the hot water heater goes out, when a tree goes through a portion of the roof, and it, you know the deductible is a thousand or whatever, and the go-to is your plastic, that's what we want to get away from. That's what we want to get away from because this whole thing is tied into ultimately when we think about money, we think about survival, and if we don't have enough money, we're not going to survive. Um, honestly, everything beyond food, um, clothing, of course, to stay warm, and, and some shelter, and you know, to remain free from pain. Food, clothing, shelter, and to remain free from pain are the only needs that you truly have. Everything else is gravy. Food, clothing, shelter, to remain free from pain. Those are the four basic needs of the human being. Everything else is icing on the cake. The two hundred dollars sneakers, all of the other things, icing on the cake. But Greg, I've got a thirteen year old that needs the latest and the greatest iPod, and I have to work double overtime to give it to him. Really, maybe you need to examine why you feel the need to do that. All of us do. I, I, I had spells where I went through spending sprees and dropped three, four, five thousand dollars on stuff in a two month period, and you know, tax time came around, I had to give all that back to the credit card company. So you know, I've been there.
1: And you know, you right. mentioned tax time. You, people should think about what happens um, every year when it's tax time. You start to see the car commercials. You start to see different sales and new things, new um, items come out um, around that time. You start to see more people shopping and so forth. And if people will really, for people who are listening and, and that do have the luxury of getting back, you know, thousands and thousands of dollars year after year after year uh, for a lifetime yeah. – just think what would happen if you if you did Greg what you mentioned earlier, your 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 income basically has increased some because you're getting this back, you know that. But what if you just put it aside? What if you just continue to live and get by as you had during the year and as if you were not going to get that ten years later or so what would be in your um in, in your account. So I just thought about that when you mentioned income tax, and something else you you continue to say as you talk through the through the night is we. And speaking of, of you and your your wife, your family, you know there are so many families who who do not operate in the from the we standpoint, meaning they don't sit down and they don't bring their finances together. Um, and really know what's going on in their financial world. And I believe that's so important to get across for those who who, who have some someone that they share their finances with or share a home, share a life with. You, yeah. you should, it should be we, but a, a good number of people have no idea what's going in and out um, financially for with their partners. They don't have any idea what's going on financially with their partners.
2: And let me – you asked at the beginning of the show – and I blew past it because I wanted to jump into the teaching. You said, you know, share with us something that's changed since the last time we, we heard from you, Greg. Here's one thing. My wife's going to finally be able to retire this year. She's, she's a bit older than I. She's 17 years my senior. And ever since we met back in 1998, we've been planning for this. doesn't mean we got a bunch of money in the bank and we're never going to have to work again, but she's going to be able to quit working. She's been in banking most all of her life. So when, as soon as our little condo sells, it's five minutes up the road. And we do have a mortgage on that, by the way, so we're making two house notes, but we have the ability to do that because we planned. Because we planned, as soon as that condo sells, she can give her notice. If she chooses, I'm not saying she's going to quit, but when the condo sells, the house payment on that is gone, and all we have is this little one for $597 and some change. And on on my salary, which is not a big salary, I can take care of both of us just fine. We can both have insurance. Uh, She will get some Social Security and a little bit of pension, um, she could comfortably make our house payment here and still have a little bit of money left over. But the thing is, is we planned that. We've talked about it. It's been out in the open. It's been part of what we've been doing. And I know a lot of people who are at my wife's age, my wife is 62, who can't quit. Why? Because they bought the house they didn't need, the second home, or they financed two brand new cars that they could have gone out and bought really good two- to three-year-old cars for maybe 10000 ish But no, they had to go buy the one for forty with the rims and the CD and all these other things. And they're looking and they're going, I'd really like to quit working, but I got too many bills. I got too many bills. And here's the thing. If you're in a relationship where you're the man and you bring in the money, and it ain't none of my woman's business what I do with my money, you have some maturing to do, my friend, if that's you listening, because you're stuck in the old mentality of, I'm the hunter. I knock it in the head. I drag it into the cave, she cooks it and cleans it, and I've done my work. Those days are over with. i got news for you. This needs to be an open conversation. Why? Because we're talking about everybody's energy here. If you're the only breadwinner and you have children at home, and, and if your wife is able to stay home and raise them and instill your her, her values and virtues into them, I applaud you up one side and down the other if you have the ability to do that. But it's her energy too, because she's raising your children. It isn't just your energy. Well, Greg, all she has to do is clean the house. I mean, come on. Can we throw some ego, some, some of that male stuff out the window here and just have an open discussion about money? You know, I know people. I don't know what my house payment is, Greg. My wife takes care of all that. Well, what happens if your wife gets hit by a car tomorrow? and you don't know how to log into any of your banking websites, you don't know where any of the bills get paid or none of those things, what are you going to do? Just sit around and wait for the collectors to call you? And all the while, you're the sole breadwinner, but you don't do that. You don't, I, I don't understand money, Greg. I, I had a pastor, a wonderful, wonderful woman, who said, I'm going to let my spouse deal with all that. I, I don't do money. Really, you're running, you, are the, you are the spiritual head of a church, and you're telling me you just don't deal with money? Are you kidding me? I mean, we need to get real about this stuff because the less we talk about it, the more opportunity there is for it to become a problem, obviously. So my wife and I, I can only share my experience. We talk about it. You know. If she wants to buy something, you know, she isn't calling me going, Greg, can I, can I buy it? She makes more money than I do for crying out loud. But if we're talking about a, you know, a fairly big purchase, a couple hundred dollars or something, I'm going to pick up the phone and go, hey, honey, there's this thing. What do you think? Well, do you have the money in the bank? Do you really need it? You know, buy it if you want it. Or, well, we got this thing coming up. Let's wait until next month. Okay, let's do that. Or, no, nah, I'd kind of like to get it now, and then we'll move something around over here. And, you know, what, but as long as you're talking about it, um, but you can't be doing this. I'm going to hand down the edict, and everyone's going to obey what I tell them to do because all you're going to do is create resentment and bad emotions around money, and you're planting the seed when you do that whether it's a good seed or a bad seed, you're sowing the seed of your family's future. I've heard, I've heard uh, you know, Dave Ramsey's popular around here. You change the family tree when you clean up your money. You literally change the family tree. Do you know anybody, Tammy, who says, my daughter or my son is going to college and they're the first person in our family who's ever gone to college? Do you know anybody like that? Yes. yes. Absolutely. I know some people yes. like that. When you clean up your money and you decide to start flying straight and quit being crazy with your money, you have the ability to change your family tree. doesn't mean you give all a bunch of money to a bunch of people and then you become rich overnight. It just means you change the way you're dealing with your money and the people around you, i.e. your kids or your spouse or your family members, they see that and they either decide, maybe I want to figure out how to do that. Maybe I'll ask, or maybe they don't. But either way, you're creating a positive change in your life. I mean, it's easy to get excited about this stuff. You know, you know one day it's all nasty and yucky, and, and you wake up one day, maybe six months to a year later, and you've got a little bit of money in the bank, and you've got some of these bills off your back. It's hard not to talk about it. That's why I teach it, because I got so excited in those 06, I couldn't keep my mouth shut. I talk anyway, but, you know, and some people – they're going to look at you and go, oh, you all high and mighty now, huh, because you ain't got no debt. Oh you, oh, you done paid off the visa. And, and you know. People are going to have different attitudes about all this because it might be nasty for them. It might be their, – their finances might be in flames. We don't want to beat people over the head with this stuff. We don't want to preach. We don't want to pound on the pulpit, so to speak. If people are ready, they'll ask you. If people want something uh, to change in their life and maybe they see you're doing a little something that's helping you out, they'll ask you if they want it bad enough, but we can't, okay. you know, chase it down the street.
1: I have a question that has come in, and what I'd like to do, I'm going to put it out there, and what I want to do is, is uh, do a really quick commercial, and this is one that will tell you a bit more about uh, Debt Shepherd, Greg, and, and his organization. So listen to this, and, and as we go to a quick break, and what we'll do when you come back, two things, and I'm going to get mine out first. I may have to call you back and have you do a show on I Am the Hunter because I, I felt something roar up in you when you said that. <laughs> so I wrote that down. That may be a topic. Right. You sound like you might know a little bit more about that than you're leading on tonight. <laughs>
0: there you go. So,
1: the question is school, um, should someone create debt to better their income, um, create you know school debt to better their income, and if so, What is the best way to do it? So think about that question in college. We're going to go to a quick break. And, again, this is more information about uh, Debt Shepherd, which is Greg's organization. So listen to this. It will be helpful. Get your pen, paper. You can write this down, and then we'll come back and have Greg answer the question um, and tell us more a little bit about I Am the Hunter. Here we go. Thank you for listening to the butterfly. Hold on.
0: Butterfly Evolution puts the spotlight on. Share it We live in a society that suffers from financial illiteracy. We all pay the price because of it. Poverty, truancy, teenage pregnancy, and crime are just a few symptoms of this epidemic. Ever wondered why most of the money seems to flow to the top and the poor seem to stay at the bottom? There's a reason for it. The system isn't broken. It was built this way, built to keep the vast majority of people struggling all their lives trying to get ahead. This struggle is shared by all people, regardless of race, color, creed, or religion. I'd like to introduce you to a concept for gaining control of your financial life. It's called Share It Forward. Someone teaches you how to improve your personal finances And you give that knowledge to someone else. You learn, grow, and change all while making the world a better place to live. First you learn how to get your money mind straightened out and then you reach out to someone and you share it forward. So they can be lifted up and out of the rut of financial illiteracy. Destinies can be forged. Lives can forever be changed, one person at a time. Get started today on your road to financial literacy. Visit DebtShepherd.com. That's debt, D-E-B as in boy, T as in Tom, Shepherd, S-H-E-P as in Paul, H-E-R-D dot com. Again, debtshepherd. dot com, D E B as in boy, T as in Tom, Shepherd S H E P as in Paul, H E R D dot com. Thank you, and you are listening to the Butterfly Evolution Show. We will return there shortly. Thank you.
1: All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And hopefully everyone was able to to write that down. Um, and Greg will will be more than happy and willing to assist you with additional questions, comments, and things like that, so you can visit his site and reach out to him there. So um, tell us, which which do you want to address first? You want to tell us what you know about the hunter? I, I really, I, because so many people really, so many men go through that, um, and yeah. so many couples and, and married people. You know, many people get divorced because of money, whereas if yep. they would just come we and sit down as you and your wife, plan talk about it and put the hunter mode aside um and women I don't know what we would call them but you know we play our part in it as well so the yeah. this whole question we had and then then i just wrote down i am the hunter because i just well, something that's for the hunter
2: first because obviously you jumped on that one um <laughs> the hunter the hunter i mean if we look out into nature that stands to reason animals hunt they, they go out, you know, there's the predator and there's the prey. It's part of the circle of life. Uh, the big fish eats the little fish. That one eats the smaller fish. That's in the animal kingdom. We're, we're slightly more advanced than that, but it, it tends to uh, have a really strong effect on our behavior when it comes to money because ultimately there was a time when we hunted, I believe. Uh, you know, it depends on what side of the fence you're on. Creation or evolution doesn't matter. But even if you just look back at when all we ever really did was farm to survive, um, you know we didn't have all this technology and all of these conveniences and things. So you know somebody had to go out and, and shoot the deer, whether it was with a spear or a bow and arrow or a gun or whatever, and, and bring it in and clean it, and, and that was the way it worked. And men tended to be the hunters only because biologically they tend to have more muscle mass on their body. That's the only reason why. They tend to be stronger physically. That's all that is. And the women, of course, have the heart. They have the nurturing side. They were home. They cooked. They, they, they raised the children. They nurtured the children and instilled the family values into them. That's just kind of the way it was set up, you know, generally speaking. But we're in a modern society, but we're still stuck in this old paradigm of you don't have any say in this household because I bring home the check and I mean, think about that. Does that even feel good when you say that? No, it doesn't. But if you're the type of person who likes to control people, and that's how you get off, then that's the way you're going to operate your household, and it isn't going to do anything but bring you despair, nothing but despair and anger and resentment, and you're just planting the seeds for the next generation to continue to stay stuck in the same rut. Um, now, when I say sharing of your finances, I just mean with the people in your family. And when I say family, I mean, you know, a husband, wife, children, or whatever that dynamic is, those four walls of the house. What I mean is, is um, if, if you're married and you have your financial thing going on, I'm not talking about telling your neighbors about your problems unless they can provide some type of advice that would help you, um, but your immediate family, you know. You've got to get your game going on here. You've got to get a game plan. You've got to get something that you do consistently to where it isn't a constant struggle Uh, because if you're in that negative mode and you're the hunter and I knock it in the head and drag it into the cave and you keep your mouth shut and you just cook it and clean it, um, nothing's going to change for you, and you're going to always struggle. And you could earn at a high income level and still have that mentality where women are just supposed to be barefoot and pregnant in the kitchen, which is such an ancient mentality. But there's plenty of people out there that still subscribe to that. doesn't mean they're bad. doesn't mean anything other than that's just the way they think it's supposed to be done. Um, you know, and then we get into this whole thing of you know, the women's movement and, and women in the glass ceiling and, and why do women doing the same job make less money? That's the old male-dominant energy that's still ruling the planet temporarily, by the way. And if you're one of these um, egomaniacal men, um, things are changing rapidly in society. I have news for you. Um, you know the feminist movement was, was really just the out, outer manifestation of that. Um, I'll give you an example. My wife and I recently watched a series on Netflix called Merlin. Um, you know the old King Arthur and the Merlin thing. And at the very end, of the last two episodes, um, King Arthur dies. Uh, he's wounded and he dies, and his wife um, um, basically takes his place on the throne. And of course, she was a servant. Um, for for many years and was not a noble, but he married her because he loved her. And there's a scene in the great hall where everyone's gathered where the throne is, and the main knight, who's a really good guy, he, he tells everyone the king is dead. And then the shot goes to the queen, and she's sitting right there, and, and they say, long live the queen. And I got that at a deep level. The feminine energy was making a comeback because she was more open to people who practice magic that were what are called druids that are herbal healers, um, a lot of those people tended to be women back in those days, and I said the feminine energy is rising back up again because the male-dominant energy just had a stranglehold on the planet for so many years. You know, We came out of what was called the Dark Ages. That was not feminine energy. That was male-dominated energy, the killing and the conquest and the war and all these other things. Even as a nation, as, as, a, as a country – the United States is still practicing that, that nasty, uh, overbearing male energy. That's why we wage war, and we do these things that we do. That's changing. That's changing. There's a lot shifting out there. So you know, there's a better way to do this, and communication is the biggest part of it. Um, and I know some people are like, what are you talking about, Greg? Women are going to rule the world? No, we need to balance the energy. It's just too much of one and not enough of the other, and, and you, you – that's why everything is in opposite, up and down, left and right, hot and cold, black and white, um, You know, um, ignorance and knowledge. They're all the same. They're all two sides of the same coin. You don't flip a coin over, and there's nothing on the back. It isn't blank. There's always something on the other side of the coin. So not to get too deep off in there, but um, yeah, I am the hunter is a, is a very deeply embedded thing. I think it's actually genetic at some level. It gets back to sort of that hunter-gatherer kind of thing, but… In this modern society, I don't really think there's a place for it. That's just my opinion. It doesn't mean anything other than it's just my opinion. So on to the question. Um, I believe the question was, if I am looking at going to school so I can increase my income, is it should I go into debt to do it, or, or what was exactly the question?
1: Um, should, should one go into go – if one wants to go back to school to increase income – Um, with the hopes of increasing income, should they consider, um, I guess what they're asking is how should they finance it basically? Should they go into debt um, by going back to school to increase their income?
2: Okay. First of all, I will share with you a client that I recently worked with that had over $200,000 in college debt. Now, this person was earning at a fairly high level. I'm, I'm going to guess around $12,000 a month between husband and wife. That's a pretty big shovel to be able to pay off that kind of debt, but that's still a lot of student debt. So the question is, should I, go, should I incur debt to get a job that's going to pay me more money? Um, right. Me personally, I would never do it, but I'm not in the point in my life where I feel the need to go to college. That's just where I am. But if you are considering going to school and taking out student loans to do it, if you're going to do it, I would say you need to do it with a plan. Don't just dive into it. What would be an example? Before I go into the example, let me give you an idea of how student debt works. I'm not an expert in this area. This is an overview. This is the Cliff Notes version. Let's say your student debt is $25,000. The minimum payments tend to be extremely small, maybe 1% to 2% of the balance. Um, They can be deferred, um, but eventually you're going to have to pay that debt off. You cannot file them on a bankruptcy. And they can garnish your Social Security check to get those payments, by the way. So if you're thinking about going to student debt and just walking away from it, not saying you would, um, that's not going to happen. They will, they will follow you to your grave. Trust me. L- literally, they'll follow you to your grave. You can't file them out bankruptcy. So um, don't take it lightly. If you're going to do it, I would do it with a plan. What would be an idea of a plan? What would be a good example of a plan, Greg? Let's say the school is – I'm going to go small. I'm not going to go crazy 200000 That's like doctor debt. That's like you know, high-level degree debt. Let's just say it's $20,000. Maybe you go to a trade school to, to increase your income. And um, I'm just going to use a young student as an example. Let's say you're still living at home. Maybe you're in your early 20s, and you decide you want to go to this school, and your parents don't have the ability to give you the money, which is fine. That's common. But you can, you can get the loan. Um, I'd work out a plan with my parents and go, okay. This is what I would like to do, or what do you think? You know, tell me how we can make this work. I go, I go to school. I take out the $20,000 loan. I continue to live at home while I'm in school, and I continue to work to pay the debt off, either while I'm in school or when I get out of school. And when I get out of school, I'm going to continue to stay at home, and I'm going to devote X amount of dollars of my paycheck to pay this debt off. Okay? That's a plan. That's a possible plan. What you don't want to do, is go into student debt, get out of school, and then immediately buy a bigger house, buy more cars, and start putting a bunch of money on your credit cards and just go, the payments are small. They're only 2%. I'll get around to it eventually. You're just putting it off into the future is what you're doing. So if you, if you insist on going into debt to go to school to increase your income, at least use the increase of income to pay the debt off before you move forward in your life. Does that make sense? I held mouthful, for a while there.
1: Makes sense. Okay. Okay. Well, I love the way that, again, um, you know, people don't often look at money being, you know, having some root issues in the way that we handle it, the way that we deal with it, look at it, perceive it, you know, what value it brings or devalue it brings in our lives. So I love the way that it always comes back to really digging deep um, in order to transform even that area of life because it's really about total transformation in every area. So I love the way that, that you bring it back to that. And for and our let listeners, me, go ahead.
2: Uh, let, me, let me share something with you. If, if you are looking at someone in society that maybe lives in a different part of town than you, you know, you, you've heard it growing up. They live on the other side of the railroad track. You know what I'm talking about. I'm talking about lines of division that are just part of living. This is just part of living, and maybe that other side of the railroad tracks is where you know, people with some money live or a bunch of money or a lot of money or more money than you. This exists. This is just part of this experience. I have news for you. Unless they inherited every dollar they have and they've never worked a day in their life, they're wage slaves just like you are. They just happen to have a bigger wage than you do which just means they can live on a nicer street, live in a nicer house, and wear nicer clothes. And chances are they don't even know that they're a wage slave. And they unknowingly have the audacity to thumb their nose down at you or look down on you maybe in their mind. I'm not saying all people do this, but by and large, all of these divisive lines that have been created, class envy, keeping up with the Joneses, mine's bigger than yours, It's all meant to divide us against each other because if we all got together, for example, like we're doing tonight on this radio show, if we all got together and started teaching each other how to get out of this mess, we might become just a little bit too powerful for these people. And basically we wouldn't need them anymore, and they would go out of business, their biggest fear. The system is – you like to think because of, of who we are. We like to think that these corporations spend billions of dollars a year to advertise to us, and they do. We like to think that they pay people to study us, study our behavior on Facebook, study our behavior and, and form these groups of, well, what flavor do you like and what color do you like? We like to think that. That's the way it used to work back in the old days when they were first starting this game known as advertising. They were studying you for a little while like a lab rat, by the way. Well, they're to the point now where they know everything about you. There is no mystery in your behavior in your desire, or in any of your hunger for any of these things that you feel you need to fill this void that's inside of you. And it's inside of all of us at some level. That's not, what they, that's not what they're doing with their money that they're spending. They're spending money to advertise to you because they don't want you to forget that they're there. Why does Coca-Cola spend billions of dollars every year to remind you of who they are? Coca-Cola is in the collective subconscious of the entire planet, literally the most recognized brand in the world is Coca-Cola, and I think Marlboro and probably Apple would – I would definitely say be up in the top five. But they're not, studying, they're not spending any more money to study who you are and how you behave to predict how you're going to act next. Let me tell you what they're afraid of. This is what they're afraid of. They're afraid that you're going to wake up, and if you wake up, they're going to want to know why did you wake up? What caused you to wake up? That's going to perplex them. And how do you wake up? You listen to the conversations like this one, and you change what you're doing, and you try to move in a more positive direction. And it doesn't mean that you live in a cave and you don't have some of the things that society can offer you. It just simply means you realize deep down inside of you at a spiritual level, at a gut level, at a whatever level you want to call it, you could wake up tomorrow, and everything that you own could be gone, and you would not be diminished one iota from who you really are. That's what the system doesn't want you to know, because if they see you waking up, they're going to start paying attention, i.e. all of these leaders that we see down through history, Dr. Martin Luther King, Gandhi. These people were assassinated because they were waking people up, and the current system doesn't want you to wake up. That is why I do not um, believe in guru worship we have to stop following these individuals who rise to prominence and awareness in the collective conscious. What we need to do is become our own gurus. You need to be your own financial guru. And once you get a hold of it, like like Tammy said, saving money becomes a game. It becomes exciting. It becomes fun. You get a little stingy, and it just, it, it's a cut and paste. You can teach your kids how to do this, and eventually it's just normal to them, and you don't need these other people that are selling you all of this garbage. And they'll just fall away. And over time, society will transform itself. But it isn't going to change if we wait around for it because they're going to drive this machine straight off the cliff. Trust me, and they're going to take anybody with them that's willing to go down the cliff. But you can turn away from that. You can turn around and head in the opposite direction and just say, thank you very much for offering what it is that you have to sell, but today I choose not to buy it. Because for a transaction to occur, there has to be two things. Number one, the person selling, and number two, the person buying Right? That has to happen. You, you have to give your consent to be taken advantage of, financially speaking. Assuming you're of sound mind and body and you're not in a mental, mental incapacity to understand what you're doing, you have to be 18 to sign a contract in the United States. right? You, you have to give your consent to, to sign up for this crazy stuff that we get into. We've all done it. Right? You have to give your consent, and without that, nothing happens. The transaction is not completed. Just stop giving your consent and this thing will eventually die. Wonderful, so wonderful, wonderful. Yeah, wonderful. absolutely. I mean, it, you know, it, it's a big subject. It really is, and we can pick little pieces of it, which, which helps us sort of get a handle on it. But just pick one thing. Change one thing in your financial life. And if it's saving some of your income, let that be the one thing that you change. And everything else in your life, I'm not kidding you, your relationships, everything, it'll start to, it'll start to be affected in a positive way when you get a handle on money, because all money really is is your energy. That's all it is. It's your intent. It's your attention. It's your mindset. And if you walk around saying, I'm broke, I'll always be broke, everybody in my family is broke, no one in my family's ever had any money, that's more than likely where you're going to stay. Mm-hmm. I mean, look at the society that we live in. We have people, understandably, at certain points in their life that can't afford a car, but they've got a cell phone and they've got a satellite dish. <laughs> that's backwards, isn't it?
1: Absolutely. Mm-hmm.
2: Absolutely, it's backwards.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Wow. Well, call us. Here's your chance. Select the number one. This is our last call for question or comments. Thank you all for for hanging in there with us. We went over a little bit, but that's always uh, why I said it for two hours. But see you out there, so select the number one. If you have any questions or any comments, what I will do, um, I'm going to check the chat line real quick here, And as I check that, what we'll do is end with uh, the commercial again so that if you missed that or want to jot the website down again, you certainly can, or just to make sure that you wrote it down correctly, please do. And and please go out and just visit the page and share it forward. If you have no need for it, if you're doing fine or if you want to learn more, please visit. But if you know someone that may be, be able to benefit from it, Greg has agreed to talk to you, uh, no fee, it's sharing it forward. So you'll be able to learn, grow, change some things in your life, change your family, change the, the concept of your family and going forward, your grandchildren and so forth. So do reach out um, if you can and if you don't need to, share the information with someone that, that, that could benefit from it. So, Greg, any last words from you as to um, anything you have going on, uh, any additional information you want to give out, uh, please feel free before we bring it to a close.
2: Um, lately, on Friday nights at 9 central, I've been guest hosting on CRSradio.com. That's out of Florida. They've got about 10 shows on that network. It tends to be mostly reggae music, Uh, But there is a little bit of talk, and I sort of fall into that category of talk. Every Friday night at 9 Central for two hours from 9 to 11, um, the uh, host that runs the show over there, Dr. Evie, she's amazing. She turns the mic over to me, and we really dig. We really go down into the psychological and the spiritual stuff, and we have a really good time. That show is getting better every Friday. We don't sell anything. We don't promote anything. That that mic is open for two hours. We give out the call-in number several times during that two-hour period, Um, And it's always in archive. It is on Blog Talk. You can find it over there. CRSradio.com is where you can listen directly. Or if you go over to Blog Talk, I think you just type in Caribbean Radio Show, Um, and you'll find some archived stuff over there that we've been doing. I've probably done four or five shows with her. She's amazing, and her story is absolutely fabulous. Uh, Her mom was a single mom with, I think, six or seven kids. I mean, what a story, man! Just coming out of nowhere and nothing, and making things happen. And, and you know, Dr. E. V. she's she's got a Ph.D. Man, she crawled out of just absolute poverty. Um, it's amazing to hear her tell some of her story. She doesn't tell them very often, but once in a while, I get her to share a little tidbit. And of course, we always have a topic that we cover that has to do with money and stuff. But yeah, CRSRadio.com um, Friday nights at, from nine to eleven, and then my closing remarks.
1: Is that remarks, Eastern time or
2: is oh, that it's nine? Central.
1: Central? Yeah,
2: 9 Central. So I guess in closing, uh, first of all, thank you for listening. Uh, I hope there's been something that you can use, something that you can take away, that you can at least think about, sleep on, pray on, take into your consciousness, and hopefully consider um, using in your life. And, of course, Tammy, direct you over to my website, BetShepherd.com. You know, the, the concept that you'll hear in the commercial, there's a couple of ways to get in touch with me over there. You'll see them when you get to the page. There are no gatekeepers. I don't have a secretary. When you get in touch with me, it's directly with me. Um, I'd love to hear from you. So in closing, I would say I appreciate you coming, and I recommend um, that you invest in something or someone that you know locally. Okay? Saving is investing, by the way. Stop giving your money to Wall Street strangers and expecting them to have your best interest at heart. They don't and they won't. You are responsible for investing and growing your wealth at whatever level that is, no matter how small or no matter how big. You are 100% responsible. You have to become your own financial guru. You have to stop outsourcing your financial future to strangers. You have to take back control, and once you take it back, you have to keep it. And this is the most important thing. You have to teach it to your children. That's the only way we're going to turn this thing around. And we can do it. We did it tonight here in this hour and a half that we spent. It happens a little bit at a time. It happens one person at a time. It happens one day at a time. And if you're buying lottery tickets thinking that is going to be your saving grace, I highly recommend you stop living that pipe dream. Wake up and smell the coffee get handle on your finances, once you once you develop these attitudes and these disciplines, I'm telling you, you're going to be amazed at the change that you see. Thank you so much for opening up the mic, Tammy. I greatly appreciate it.
1: Thank you. As always, you have an open invite, so think of some additional topics, shoot them my way, and we'll get you, get you set, um, hopefully for next month or the month after. So you just let me know when you have, again, an open invite. Thank you for sharing it forward um and your time as well and your passion just for 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 helping people transform in this area of life so i just again cannot say thank you enough and for our listeners the same to you Um, And I want to say just good night, Greg. Thanks again. And we're going to close again with the Debt Shepherd commercial, so please listen and please remember to share it forward, write the information down, and we will air next Monday, same time. Remember to listen to Greg on CRSradio.com from 9 to 11 Central Standard Time every Friday, correct? Absolutely. All right. -er. Well, thanks a lot, Greg, and everyone, have have a great night.
2: Have a good week. See you.
0: Butterfly Evolution puts the spotlight on Share It Forward. We live in a society that suffers from financial illiteracy. We all pay the price because of it. Poverty, truancy, teenage pregnancy, and crime are just a few symptoms of this epidemic. Ever wondered why most of the money seems to flow to the top and the poor seem to stay at the bottom? There's a reason for it. The system isn't broken. It was built this way, built to keep the vast majority of people struggling all their lives trying to get ahead. This struggle is shared by all people, regardless of race, color, creed, or religion. I'd like to introduce you to a concept for gaining control of your financial life. It's called Share It Forward. Someone teaches you how to improve your personal finances, and you give that knowledge to someone else. You learn, grow, and change, all while making the world a better place to live. First, you learn how to get your money mind straightened out, and then you reach out to someone and you share it forward, so they can be lifted up and out of the rut of financial illiteracy. Destinies can be forged. Lives can forever be changed, one person at a time. Get started today on your road to financial literacy. Visit DebtShepherd.com, That Debt, D-E-B as in boy, T as in Tom, Shepherd, S-H-E-P as in Paul, H-E-R-D dot com. Again, com D-E-B as in boy, T as in Tom, Shepherd S-H-E-P as in Paul, H-E-R-D dot com. Thank you, and you are listening to the Butterfly Evolution Show. We will return there shortly. Thank you.
1: Again, thank you all for listening to the show. I want to welcome you back next Monday, 8 o'clock p.m. Central Standard Time, and we'll leave tonight's show with this song dedicated to Diane from Atlanta. Thank you for your consistent uh, support of the Butterfly Evolution Show. Thank you.